I'm Liza Hanks, and welcome to Life, Death, Law, a podcast about something we all share and almost never talk about, death. We say losses 24-7 for the rest of your life, and it doesn't mean we, are, we say you're going to be like sobbing all the time, but you're going to be experiencing it. And in some ways, as weird as this sounds, it makes life so much richer. That's Rebecca Sofer, my guest on this episode of Life, Death, Law. She's the co-founder and CEO of Modern Loss, a project that began with the website offering candid content, resources, and community on loss and grief, and has now branched out to include live events and a great new book called Modern Loss, an anthology of great writing, great cartoons, and just all around great thinking about grief and loss, and most importantly, life after I asked her to be on Life, Death, Law because Modern Loss has a great mission. They want to destigmatize loss and grief and build community for those who are facing it, which, let's face it, will be all of us one day. She understands how isolating grief can be, but how it can also be unexpectedly beautiful, poignant, and occasionally quite funny. Please join us for a great conversation about the Modern Loss Project, Modern Loss Ethos, and how you can get help from this resource yourself. Rebecca, I'm so happy that you could be on Life, Death, Law and share the amazing work you're doing with my listeners. So just to get started, could you, why don't you tell people what Modern Loss is and, and why you started it? And then let's talk about your new book. Thanks so much for having me, Liza. I'm really excited to be having this cross-country <laughs> chat with you today. I spent more than five and a half years at this point uh, running Modern Loss which started as a website um, that aimed to, I guess, ideally become obsolete at a certain point in time. Our mission is to completely destigmatize the topic of grief and loss and mourning and, I guess, death, because grief stems from death many times. That, you know, is an experience that we're all going to have. That's, that's newsflash. But that overwhelmingly in our society, in our Western culture, we are still just not comfortable talking about. We, you know, there's been a lot of progress made over the last few years. I think the needle has been moving, but not to the point where any person dealing with a loss can feel like they are generally going to be supported by their family, by their friends, by their greater community, and by their workplace. And that's what we want. How would that work? I mean, how will I, how could I connect with Modern Loss and what would I find there? So um, we, we originally started as a website, as an online, I would say like literary nonfiction online magazine. Um, we run narrowly focused personal essays about one angle of somebody's experience with loss. And when I talk about loss, you know, there are all types of loss and grief in this world. We were just talking about one um, before we started recording. You said your son is, you know, going to college and that's grief, you know. But when we talk about grief at Modern Loss, we're talking about grief from death loss. And of course, so many other types of loss can be triggered when you're experiencing a death loss. But that's the primary type of loss we're talking about. I was 30 years old and my mom was killed in a car accident. And then just four years after that, almost exactly, you know, four years after that, uh, my dad died. You know, I was 34 years old and I had no living parents. 
and I'm an only child and I consider myself generally, you know, like highly sociable. I was working in political satire at the time as a daily TV producer. Um, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of people who I count myself very lucky to have in my life. But when you lose your parents or anybody who plays an integral role in your existence, you feel like the rug is pulled out from underneath you and you feel like your entire life landscape has been rejiggered and you don't understand the new landscape. And it's very unsettling. And no matter how many people want to help you, it's very isolating. And I found that even surrounded by friends and surrounded by family and surrounded by really great coworkers, I still felt very lonely and I still felt like I was going insane. And I still felt like several months down the line, things were happening that I didn't know if they were normal. Like I didn't know if it was normal to all of a sudden be triggered 10 months later and feel like I was doing as poorly as I was on week five. I didn't know if it was normal to have a Mother's Day go by and not feel much of anything and feel totally fine and then feel really guilty. Like, I didn't know if I was the only one dealing with that. And so Modern Loss really was born of my experience and my co-founder Gabby Berkner's experience of losing parents. She lost her dad and her stepmother in a home invasion in her mid-20s. And we became very close friends in New York City. And we realized that we were both, you know, our friendship was being built against the background of profound loss. And all of a sudden that made for just this immediate intimate connection. And we felt really comfortable with each other. And we realized that when you all of a sudden are given the permission to let it all hang out and you're given the permission to not spend most of your energy pretending like everything is fine, you have this huge emotional exhale and you feel not only like you're having a cathartic experience because you can share what you're going through, you feel like you're also building community, you're finding friends, you're finding true connection, and you're also feeling empowered because you're able to share your narrative as opposed to have somebody else create it for you. And an example of that is, you know, I felt like I was walking into a room a lot and people were saying, oh, oh my gosh, both of her parents died. She like her, she, her parents are dead. She's only 34. Isn't that so sad? And yeah, it really is sad. It's very sad. But I'm a lot of other things too. Not everything, nothing in life is black and white. And, and specifically, neither is grief. You know, Modern Loss, the, the, the online publication really does serve as a platform for not only really great writing that is entertaining to anybody who loves good storytelling. This is by far not for just, you know, people who are dealing with grief because it's grief at any point in time. It can be 60 years after a loss, but also it's, you know, it's really a community builder that aims to draw other readers out of their own isolation and, you know, make them realize that it's totally fine. Like they're not the only ones going through this. And um, we also have a lot of resources on the site beyond our essays. We have specific columns. We have an advice column, which I really love. We have different you know, subsections. We have uh, something called Grief Bacon, which is a whole series about grief and the body, which I really love. And, you know, as you well know, <laughs> because you're the one writing it, um, we debuted a wonderful new column, um, which is, I don't want to use the term advice because you're a lawyer too, but it, it is, it gives very good guidance and um, layperson language explaining different quandaries that come up, estate issues after a loss. And you 
my friend are the are the uh, author of those pieces. Yeah. <laughs> it's called uh, this, you know, the estate department or was it secretary of estate? I think it's the estate department, I, I, which I've always wanted a diplomatic post. So I feel like it's the culmination of my legal career. <laughs> but you know, it's it's an it's a it's a pleasure. It's an honor to help people navigate such a strange new landscape for so many people, and that's why I was happy to to help. And you know, I I have two questions for you. So one is the word modern in the in the title modern loss because yeah. you know grief is ancient and ubiquitous and universal so what's modern about what you're doing that's question one mm-hmm. and question two what's the most surprising thing that you've discovered over the last five and a half years in the way people have responded to the invitation you put out there in the world yeah both really good questions so a lot of people think that the modern and modern loss comes from you know, oh, grief, by the way, like, it's, you know, the, we're, we're, grief is actually not what it used to be. And of course, grief is as gut-wrenching as it always was. But when we talk about modern, um, first of all, the, the, the overwhelming majority of our audience, and we are not just a website, we also have a book out with HarperCollins that I'm very, very proud of. It came out last year called Modern Loss, Candid conversation about grief, beginners welcome. We do live storytelling events all over the country. Uh, We're very, very active on all social media platforms. And we have a very active closed Facebook group, which is an opportunity for people to really, you know, scream into the cosmic void whenever they need to and get support and vent and ask questions and get help. And so I guess the modern and modern loss refers less to this point in time um, and more acknowledging the fact that I guess, during this point in time, if you are somebody who is younger, 20s, 30s, 40s, and experiencing profound loss, chances are you are experiencing it a lot earlier than you might have thought you would. But these days, we are living further from our families. We are online all the time. The lines between work and personal are so blurred that they may not even exist anymore. We just seamlessly morph between the two you know, we're not as religiously oriented. We don't probably, I would say a lot of us don't normally gravitate toward a place of worship for community. And if we do, I think we're in the minority. And, you know, we're working a lot. We don't have the time to, we're trying to figure out where we can create the space to consider our grief. And it's really hard in this day and age. Also, we have digital existences that no longer are avatar <laughs> that lives in addition to our real life, but in fact now is is us. Like we are our online existence. We don't hide bet- behind for the most point in time. You know, we're not hiding behind code names online. You know, my name is Rebecca Sofer on a lot of my accounts digitally, and you know it's me. So, you know, it's like we are living on so many different planes and increasingly <laughs> with less time to explore any of those planes. And so the modernness really acknowledges that kind of shift away from traditional hubs of support and community. And also the fact that we are just tapped out all the time and we need to create space to talk about this. But on top of it, the stigma still exists. So what to do? And so our answer is embrace the digital existence in a way that does create community and does use it for good. And that's what we do here at Modern Loss. And of course, our members are not just in their 20s, 30s, 40s. We have people of all ages who are part of the Modern Loss community. And I think it's less an age-based thing and more a mindset. Do you want to approach the topic of grief in a way that is 
I'll let it all hang out. Are you eager to have a good body laugh about different experiences stemming from grief? Because there are a lot of really freaking funny things. And if you can't laugh, what do you have? And so it's really about your mindset. If you don't want to be buttoned up about it, if you don't want to relegate this to certain, you know, sanctimonious corners of the world where you can talk about grief in a polite way, then you're our person, regardless of whether you're 89 or 19. I get it. You know, we need to be human in response to this stuff. It's not dry. It's not analytical. It's not sanctimonious. You're right. You know, it's just the most human, visceral gut thing that most of us ever face. So, okay. So I get the modern in modern loss, but now I want to hear about what the most surprising thing, because I'm sure when you started this, you didn't know if it was going to be successful. You didn't know if people would it would resonate with people. You didn't know if the invitation you put out there in the world would be accepted as it has been. And I'm sure you've gone in directions you weren't expecting to go. Yeah. And I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. I would say a lot of things have surprised me about Modern Loss. When we launched the site, I was quite literally nine months pregnant with my first child. And Gabby (laughs) was about six months pregnant with her second child. So it was very surreal when you think about it. It's like life and death and birth. And it was like all happening. Um, It was like really, really profound. Although I, in the moment, I didn't think about it as being profound. I thought about it as being insanely overwhelming. And we, you know, that's just the, the time in which we launched this big experiment. And we really didn't know how people were going to respond to it. However, I had now, I had many years of personal grief under my belt by that point. And I was just really tired of the go-tos that I would find online, which were overwhelmingly kind of clinical or too religious for my taste or just like really freaking cheesy. Like, I don't like platitudes. They don't work for me. They annoy me. They they anger me. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being angered by somebody, you know, by reading something that assures you that it takes a year or that somebody's in a better place because they're not. And I you know, my reaction was always very tongue in cheek to these things. And I was like, you know, I can't be the only person wants to explore grief through like finding my people, finding other people for whom this is a mess and for whom they are thinking, wow, I can't believe I was dealt this hand. And I'm so much more than that. Like I still want to live a really quality life. And so when we launched Modern Loss, our idea was that this was going to be for people who, yes, we're dealing with grief, but we're also searching for a way to live very, very meaningful and rich lives. Because when I lost my mom, I was 30, you know, I I'd lost both parents by 34. That is like prime life building stage. That's when right. a lot of us are working really hard and looking for partners and starting families and all this. And it's just a really hard age in which to also navigate profound loss. It's just you're navigating everything all at once. Um, And it's also a really hard age during which you can build community because a lot of people surrounding you are just focused on building up their lives. And it's not convenient for them to be reminded that death is very much existent in the world. And so I would say one of the most surprising things was how we were so immediately embraced by an audience. Of all the things that has surprised me the most, it's the optimism that has been, that has stemmed from modern loss. Not just the commiseration. There's always commiseration. You can, we bond in life over bitching about things. So of course, it's, it's natural. We have a great community that has to vent about how their friend isn't being supportive or how their dad is dating someone new who's like really not great. These are all things we have to 
complain about and we have to search for support about. But what really surprised me was in addition to all the venting and the screaming into the cosmic void was the support and the optimism and the humor and the fact that I have now met so many people around the country that are so active and supportive who I would just like love to get together for a beer with one day and build a friendship with. It's not just that we're connecting over, you know, the creditors and the funeral planning. We're actually going deep really quickly and becoming close to each other quickly because we're aware that we don't have to get nice cities out of the way to get there, to get to a deeper place. And I just, um, I've been overwhelmed by how supportive our members have been to each other. We have, you know, as I mentioned, a closed Facebook group, but we also have in-person events. I now lead, I'm about to lead my second program, Kripalu, which is this wonderful wellness center in the Berkshires in, in Western Massachusetts. We're doing a four and a half day program, Modern Loss program. And last year we piloted it and we sold out. We had like 50 people from all over the country. And what surprised me the most was not just the commiseration, but the fact that at the end of this program, the resilience, the optimism, the renewed sense of purpose, of determination, of realizing, you know, I really want to live a great life and meeting all these people who have shown that they can go through the shit and still come out of it. Sure, dealing, still dealing with it for the rest of their lives, but also so resilient is inspiring me to go change that career, go launch that new project or go make a decision that I was maybe a little nervous to make beforehand. And I think that's the thing that has really surprised me and impressed me and humbled me the most. This would be a good segue, I think, to the book. So we can talk a little bit about the book and I'll put links to the book in the show notes. And I wondered if you had so the book is a compilation of a lot of the essays, I guess, that you've published on the site over over the years that you've been um, publishing. Oh, actually, it's not. The book is actually about 90% completely original. We, we wrote extensively. The reason we wanted to do an analog product is that, yeah, digital is great, but it's ephemeral. It's like you can't, it's like digital dust. And so Gabby and I really wanted to do an actual book that could serve as something that was really beautiful visibly you know, just like really well designed, kind of like a metaphor for how we want people to approach the conversation about loss, which is not with like, you know, little kittens or like an angel, but more, you know, like really great design and, you know, cartoons by a New Yorker cartoonist and bold colors, things that we like in real life outside of our grief. Anyway, something that you would really want to leave on your coffee table and live out loud and not be embarrassed to and, and want to shove under your bed the way that I wanted to do with a lot of the books that I was given in the wake of my parents' death. Oh, I totally get that. I totally get that. And I, I love the cartoon sidebars. They were hilarious and fun. Yes. Um, I, the, the cartoons are like, you know, of course, I, it's really like choosing your baby. It's really hard to your favorite baby, but I love the cartoons. We were really, really adamant that this book needed to be very artistic, highly graphic. You know, there are a lot of enough books on grief that are just big blocks of text. And who has time to read big blocks of text A, ever these days, but B, especially when, you know, you're picking up this book because you're dealing with a loss and, you know, you don't want to read chapter after chapter after chapter. Maybe you want to read one piece and then throw it across the room and pick it up four months later. That's what this book is 
for and how it is formatted. So we specifically have, I think, 50 pieces, many of which are written by Gabby and myself, because this was our opportunity to go deeper into our stories. We don't write for the website. We don't, this is not a blog, a personal blog. It's a publication. So a communal endeavor. So the book though was an opportunity for us to really go into our losses, our grief, and and kind of consider them. And then of course, give all these other amazing people the opportunity to do the same. So we have contributors uh, who are really well known, um, like Lucy Kalanithi. Her husband wrote When Breath Becomes Air. And, you know, she's an amazing woman, a dear friend, and she's just terrific. And uh, so she wrote this incredible piece about what happened to her wedding gown after Paul died. And it's just this great piece that you always kind of wonder, these are angles that you don't really, you don't know what's going on in someone's life. And so we wanted people to share those slices that you don't really talk about. We have um, Amanda Palmer, who is a, an actual literal rock star, who wrote a, a wonderful piece about the death of her best friend, Anthony, right around the time she was pregnant with her first child. We have pieces by Kim Goldman, who a lot of people might know because of, um, you know, the, the OJ trial. Her brother, her brother Ron, was, was murdered by somebody associated with this with this trial. Who knows who? <laughs> who knows who? And uh, we also have Michael Greif, who is an incredibly renowned Broadway director. He directed Rent. He was the original Rent director. And of course, he directed Dear Evan Hansen, which is this marvelous musical with very strong tones of loss and grief and loneliness, solitude, bullying. And so he writes this piece about the impact that grief and Jonathan Larson, the composer of Rent, he died right before Rent was uh, went up on Broadway. And he talked about the impact of Jonathan's death on his entire career and how his death really emboldened him to take on themes that were really taboo. So a lot of these pieces are actually really daring and they're really bold and they really go well beyond the niceties of grief. And of course, beyond the, the bold face names, we have a lot of people who are just really amazing writers who we discovered and we commissioned pieces from with terrific pieces to share. Um, and the last thing I'll mention, yeah, is um, that we do have a lot of humor in this book. Yeah, I'd like to do a call out for these shit people say but really shouldn't cartoon. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> that just really made me laugh because, you know, it's so awkward on both sides. You know, people don't know what to say. And, and, and the people who are experiencing loss don't quite know how to receive the ridiculousness of the things people do say right. in their, you know, attempt to connect. So I thought that was like hilarious and great. And for all the, you know, celebrities, I think why the book works is because it's so human, right? They're, they're, it's so true, right? There's no false note in it. No, there's no fault. There's nothing false in it. There's, it's just like, if, if, if we're not going to approach this with like the whole you do you mentality, why bother? There are enough outlets out there that, that, you know, examine grief where, you know, they're doing a good enough job in their own right in the way that they want to focus on grief, which to me, a lot of them, like I said, are, you know, too clinical or too cheesy or whatever. I don't want to approach the conversation like this. I want to do it in a really raw way, which is actually why writing for the book myself was completely terrifying because I actually, for the first time since launching the site, I had to really put my money where my mouth was. I had to go there too. I had to really go far while writing my own pieces and reveal things that I didn't ever think I was going to be willing to share 
on a public platform. It was terrifying. I mean, one of my leads is is talking about when my best friend's husband found my vibrator the morning after my mom died. And it was like this insane anecdote and story. And I'm like, you know, I have to share this because it is connected to such a big point that I'm trying to make. And I'm just like, never. Who cares? Everybody has one. Yeah, I read that. Because we didn't fake the way in which we went there, the, the impact has been very real. I think it's great. And I would, I'm excited to share the resource with my listeners and, you know, with my clients, you know, as an estate planner, I try really hard to be, to be kind and to be real with my clients about what we're actually talking about, which I think so seldom happens in legal offices for people dealing with death. And I think it's a great, it's a great resource for people. And it also made me laugh because I I opened up a Google voice account that I didn't even know I had when I started this podcast. And there was a message from my mom. It was the last message saying she was going off to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what do you do with your mother's last voicemail? Right. She's she's been dead for seven years, you know? And it was like, I didn't have any recordings of her voice actually never occurred to me to do. And I found it, you know, seven years later. And I was like, well, you can't delete it. Like, you know, what do you do with your mother's last voicemail? So you know, I just thought, yeah, we face that all the time and we so seldom take time to notice the craziness of it. So, you know, I think it's, it's great. And one last thing for you, mm-hmm. I'm talking to you and I'm looking at a picture of one of my very best friends holding my daughter who was a year old who died the day my son was born in a car accident. Oh my goodness. I terrible. So I became an estate planner because of that, because I had birth and death all in the same week and, and we cleaned out our house and we had to deal with what was going on. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of practical, important things that need to happen here. I could do this. So, so like this whole project comes about because of that. So I totally get what you're doing. I mean, I didn't even realize that until recently. I've been doing this podcast for a year and I suddenly thought, oh, I've been staring at this picture for the whole time. Mm. Isn't it amazing how things can just sit in front of our eyes and then all of a sudden the meaning of them can just slam into us? Yeah. And they've been these innocuous items. I mean, of course, like it's your friend and she's dead. So of course there's some emotional charge, but just a new realization. Yeah, it was like, Light bulb time. And how many years ago did she die? She died 18 years ago. Okay, so there you go. So that just proves what we do at Modern Loss, which is we focus on the long arc of it. We, our, our, our whole point is to prove that grief is not that first 365 day period of time. Grief is forever after you lose somebody in different ways. It's not always like, heartrending, like you're not like always ripping your clothes, but it is, it takes on different forms. And you had this, you know, thing kind of slam into you 18 years later. And that is why, you know, we say losses 24 seven for the rest of your life. And it doesn't mean we are, we say you're going to be like sobbing all the time, but you're going to be experiencing it. And in some ways, as weird as this sounds, it makes life so much richer because you're so highly aware of it all of the, the unassured you're not assured anything, you know, like you think you're head into this life guaranteed eight or nine decades, but there's no guarantee of anything. And so when you're highly aware of that, maybe you do have the ability to live a richer existence because you know that it's worth it. You know what? I couldn't have said it better myself. That is the perfect way to end this interview because I know you have to go because I know you have a little kid and you've got a busy life to live. (laughs) Two now. (laughs) Yeah, two now. So is there anything that you wish I'd asked you that I haven't asked? I'm going to give you one last chance to do a shout out for anything you would like my listeners to know about your work. And so one of the things I really love doing in addition to that are these 
wonderful live storytelling events. And I have now produced, I don't know, maybe like more than 10 around the country. And they're really great. If you know what the moth is, they're, you know, it's like live storytelling. So Modern Lost Evening of Storytelling is always fun and funny and poignant and body and wistful and nostalgic. It's just the most amazing instant community, but it's like instant cup of noodles for community. Yep. Uh, because what I do is, you know, I come up with this lineup that's five or six people and what did one in New York a couple months ago. And, and I try and get pretty big names. My closer was the woman who writes weekend update for Saturday night live. Her name is Katie rich. She's amazing. She actually told the story about how her mom died the week Trump was elected. So I don't know what anybody's political leanings are, but I'm very much not pro Trump and I'm comfortable saying that and you know so her she told the story about like what is it like when your mom dies you know on the week that you're also experiencing another profound grief and we had another guy who was an upright citizens brigade comedian we had a wonderful author you know we just uh, and so the end result is by the end of this program you have an audience that is so cracked open that they are they feel like they're in such good company and they are immediately drawn within an hour period of time out of their isolation and they feel more comfortable talking to other people in the room because we always have a cocktail party afterwards and you see friendships formed and and maintained well beyond that night and so that's what i really love doing like i really really love doing those events i'm actually working on my next one for the fall which is going to be um, in manhattan that sounds great and thank you so much for coming yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Thanks so much. You've just listened to my interview with Rebecca Sofer, co-founder of Modern Loss and the co-author of the new book, Modern Loss, an anthology of great writing about grief and loss and life thereafter. To find out more about Modern Loss, go to their website at modernloss.com, and I will include a link to the website as well as to the book on the show notes to this show. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life, Death, Law. To find out more about today's episode, or to send me a question or a suggested topic for future podcasts, go to lifedeathlaw.com, send me an email at lifedeathlawpodcast at gmail.com, or call me on the Life Death Law phone line at 669-232-0872. That's 669-232-0872. To subscribe to Life Death Law, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. So take care. And remember, when it comes to life and death and law, we are all in the same boat. Until next time, I'm Liza Hanks. Bye.